Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
welcome back to Heavy Metal Mayhem. Thank God we're all sequestered and bunkered down here at the Heavy Metal Mayhem headquarters because the storm of the century is coming our way tonight and tomorrow. They said the same thing last year with Hurricane Irene, and I think we must be in a different century this year. Who knows? But <laughs> I think most of the time the news stations just hype these things up the hell so you'll watch and tune into them 24 hours a day. But it is getting kind of windy here in New York, and maybe we should have opened up the show with the uh, cities and cruel sea, but I figured it's Halloween coming up this week, and I hope the weather does pass here so all the kids can go out trick-or-treating because we love Halloween this house, and we decorate big time here. But that was exciting with the Rising of the Dead coming off the band's first record. I love that lineup. I mean, they got a different, you know, Excited has a whole new band today. John Reach is the only original member of the group, but he does have a good lineup. They've put out some incredible albums. You also have Dan Beale, who's got his own thing going on right now, and their last record wasn't too bad, Messages of the Dead. Much different sounding album than I expected than when we had him on here, but still some pretty good stuff. All right, well, you know what? I got a great show lined up for you tonight. I did an interview uh, yesterday with uh, Scott Warren from Dio Disciples. We were supposed to have him on Craig Goldie, but he kind of flaked out on us, and Scott filled in. My problem was the band was traveling. They had a show, I guess, out in the on the West Coast, and they were coming from the Midwest, and we kept losing reception on and off throughout the interview. His phone would go out, and they would go through tunnels. So I tried to piece it together the best I could. It's kind of choppy, and you don't get all the answers to certain questions because he kept getting cut off. But we're going to have Scott back on another time uh, when he's uh, landlocked, then we'll get him, and we'll do it again. But live at about 7.30, Kleber Mandrake, Jerry Watson, Axe Hammer. So we got a great show for you tonight. How about, let me see what I can do for you right now. We did a little exciter. How about some abattoir? song called Sheep.
Man, I tell you, that's the last guy you want to get online behind at a buffet, Nasty Ronnie. Now, I'm just kidding around. Ronnie is a great guy. I love Nasty Savage. Been a fan of this since the beginning. And Nasty Ronnie was actually the first person I ever interviewed. Uh, I was 16 years old, and a, a friend of mine from uh, Connecticut who I was pen pals with was writing a fanzine. And I somehow got a hold of uh, Nasty Ronnie's number. Uh, he was still living at his parents' house at the time. The band had just put out the that first demo tape. But I remember calling them. 
from my parents' house, which I'm still living at. I was a kid and interviewed him for about a half hour on the phone. I remember when my father got that phone bill the next month. That was the last interview I did <laughs> until I moved out of my own house and had my own telephone because long distance to Florida back then was pretty expensive. It isn't like today. All right, but that's a great song over there, Fear Beyond the Vision. You know what? We're going to do our uh, demolition segment and get that out of the way. We'll play the interview with Scott Warren. Like I said, we did this over the phone yesterday, and they were traveling, and we kept losing reception. So I, I kind of pieced it together the best I could. You know, there's a few spots where you just don't hear anything, and, and you know, you might not get the whole answer to his question, but I kind of tried to fill it in as we went along. Nothing I could do about it. I appreciate Scott even calling in after uh, Craig kind of uh, flaked out on us, but... That's life in rock and roll. Okay, so let's do our demolition segment. Head over to the Heavy Metal Mayhem blog spot right now. Download yourself a copy of this demo. The band is called Wild Pussy. Uh, they're out of the UK. And now that I see Reese is in the chat room, she'll love that because Reese is a tremendous new wave of British heavy metal fan. Uh, this is all the guys put out was this one demo tape. And they kind of disappeared and went off in all different directions, playing all different kinds of uh, music. But I got it for you. And like I said, head over there, download it. It's called Feel the Fire. And right after this, I'm going to go right to the interview with Scott Warren. We'll come back with a deal tune. Kenny will be calling in with his weekly concert calendar update. And then Cleaver and Jerry of Axham will be calling in a little after that. So let's get a little wild pussy for you going. I just like saying that name. All right, here's the wild pussy demo. Feel the fire. <laughs>
This is Mike from Heavy Metal Mayhem. We had an interview today. How are you? Yeah, right. How are you doing, man? I've been trying to get through, and I could get stuck in the queue. You know, uh, we're we're driving through the uh, the mountains uh, right now, and so the service keeps cutting on and off. Ah, uh, that's why. Okay, I got no problem. It's r- it's a rough life, huh? Yeah. Well, we, you know, we had planned this. Uh, we had planned to be uh, at our destination by now, but our bus driver turned out to be an hour and a half late. Like, the snow and trucks overturn, all kinds of stuff like that. What am I? Uh, uh, I, Mike, was I been calling the right number? Cause it's yeah, you called the right number, and I, I can hear you talking in the background, but you must have been losing the signal, and we kept getting cut off. I think let me try you back. Maybe I have better luck if I call you. Yeah, it's a little better uh, so okay. far. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll try to keep this going as quickly as I can until uh, we lose each other again. Okay, unless you want to, um, you know, we, we should be at, at a level ground probably in about two hours, I think. Something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I won't be around at that time. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, uh, let's give it a shot. All right. Yeah. Well, Scott, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. Been a big uh, a fan of your music and, and everything you've done with Dio and everything else over the years. Uh, it, how's everything going right now on the road? I know you just said you know you're running late, the snow, so it doesn't sound so great where you are right now. But how's the tour going so far? Oh, it's 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 really great. Um, you know, it's been a while uh, since we were uh, we toured the states, uh, uh, just a portion, just eastern seaboard last year, and uh, and then we've been you know have playing overseas quite a bit. So, it's, but it's nice to, uh, to get to finally um, continue on with the, the other leg of the states tour that we've been planning to do, and uh, so far so good. It's just been going great. Oh, that's fantastic. And I know, you know, the very beast of uh, the volume two is out right now. Has a lot of stuff that features you on there. And you know, people don't realize it, but you're like one of the longest running members in Dio, besides you know Ronnie himself in the time he was in the band. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, it, it works out that way. I mean, you know, uh, of course, Craig was in the band way early on, but um, but you know, he he came and left a few, quite a few times and. And, you know, Simon uh, was at Lock of the Wolves, and then he, he, you know, then Ronnie did the Humanizer, so, uh, so, and then, then he came back. So, yeah, uh, I came in around Strange Highways. I played on Strange Highways in 90, 1993, and that's about 17 years, uh, you know, yeah. It's a long time, yeah, and you, know, you talked yeah. about the early days coming into the band in the 90s. The 90s were, you know, a rough time for hard rock and heavy metal, it kind of fell out of favor with everybody. It just wasn't the flavor of the month. Uh, what was it like back then? Because Ronnie just came back from, you know, being with Sabbath and the, the Humanizer record. Uh, I believe at that time, uh, Tracy G was uh, in the band. And, uh, That's right, how, yeah. Yeah, so how was everything, like, you know, in the world of metal at that time within the Dio camp? Well, it was, uh, yeah, it was, a str- it was a strange time. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, seeing, I wasn't even in the band yet. I remember seeing Ronnie... Uh, somewhere at a, re- a rehearsal studio or something and somebody was telling him how how rough it was out there and I saw the the look on his face the disappointment <laughs> of uh what we were facing at that time and yet we had to play a lot of small clubs and kind of you know start over in a way um but it, it, and you know we obviously then we weren't bringing a lot of production and stuff like that it was more of a time of just let's just give them the band you know just Ronnie uh you know Carried the show with. Hey Scott, uh, we, yeah, we lost each other again. Yeah. 
Um, but I got everything you were saying there. It all went through, and then you got cut off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, get back to that. I mean, you know, being like an international band, was it the same kind of uh, vibe like in the other countries as it was here in America in the nineties, or you know, like the European countries and over in Japan and, and down South America, they kind of hold on to that and they don't like you know just drop it and change fans like here in America. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's why America just sort of uh, took a downward spiral. But no, we went overseas. It was strong as ever, you know, um, especially Germany. I think the first tour I did with Ronnie was uh, all Germany, Germany, Germany. I, I didn't realize how many famous cities there are in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But the fans there were just, you know, eating it up. And, um, and from there, you know, uh, we traveled the world basically uh and the states was always kind of like yeah you know <laughs> we got to do it but um it wasn't um you know we, we, it's almost kind of like what, what we're going through now with the Dio disciples is you know we go we we go to europe and it's like bang on everybody you know there's we do festivals and all that stuff we come back to the states and we really have to fight to get uh you know the, get the ball rolling just because of what you're talking about, you know? Yeah, it's rough. And another thing is, like, you know, because the fans, especially here in America, they've got this thing, like, you guys shouldn't be playing because Ronnie's not in the band anymore. And me personally, I don't get it. I mean, of course, we would all love to have Ronnie here. Unfortunately, we're all not invincible. We're all going to die one day. Why should the music just be left alone and never heard again and never played again? I don't understand that. I mean, I think Thin Lizzy went through this for a long time, and people finally came around to realizing Phil's not here, he's not in the band, but... We're going to keep playing and have a good time doing it. And I, I think that's what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be naysayers and people that, you know, that, that um, you know, I, I kind of understand the, the thought of, well, you know, it's not how it was. But nothing is how it was. Things change and, you know, and, uh, yeah, it was a question of do we just walk away from Ronnie's music? And uh, no, we wouldn't want that. Uh, and uh, it's obvious that the, uh, at least the majority of the fans don't want that either. And uh, so we felt committed to, to carry on with it, and we know that's what he would have wanted us to do. When it comes to putting the band together, uh, I know a lot of guys have different things going on, so, you know, they got commitments, so you bring different people in. Do you try to basically, do you try as hard as you can to keep it to maybe people that have played with Ronnie over the years, or it was just, you know, whoever you can get at the time? Yeah, that's what the idea is, is uh, keep it in the family, basically. Um, and there is a fairly extensive family because he's, you know, had so many uh, great people in his band, um, even extending out to some of the other bands that he's been in. But, yeah, I, you know, we're doing our best to keep it, you know, in the family, uh, people that Ronnie, you know, liked and, and knew and everything like that. And uh, and, and that's, you know, that's that's the best we can do. <laughs> You know, we can't bring him back, so, uh, but uh, that's that's where we're at. No, of course. Are you more careful with the, the singers that you choose than when any other member that comes in temporarily? Right now you got only Logan, who's out oh, with you guys, yeah. and Ripper. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. The same, you know, we have to have the singers have to be the best. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, we had uh, Toby Jepson for a while, but uh, this time around he had some other commitments, I think. And uh, and Oni, you know, is part of the, part of the Dio family, so uh, it was a pretty easy choice um, to bring him in. Uh, and uh, you know, so it's going great. You know, I mean, we'd like to keep things consistent, 
as we can. Uh, but other, this is more a work of love for a lot of, for a lot of us. Uh, so it's it's more a matter of you know we, a lot of a lot of us have some of us have other commitments going on and, and things like that. But um, trying to keep it real, though. I I, I understand that. Yeah. Scott, talking about keyboards, you've played in a lot of bands over the years. The one thing that I, I that surprised me was when you hooked up a typo negative for a little while. I just didn't see that fit. How that come about? Uh, it was I don't uh, it was just kind of a fluke. Um, uh, I, I guess through the grapevine, they, their uh, you know their keyboard player was there was four original guys apparently. Uh, I, I knew very little about the band, that band um, when I was going set out to do it. When I agreed to do it, it was just for a short run, Halloween run. They used to play a lot of Hall, you know, Halloween was their favorite band to tour. And I guess uh, the Josh, their keyboard player, uh, just decided he didn't want to do that tour and. They were looking for somebody. It was it was pretty big shoes to fill. So uh, I didn't realize it t- until I started listening to the material. And I went, oh my, I I have to do that, that, and that at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm the I'm your guy. You know, I can do it, and I'm available. And uh, so uh, it was. Um, uh, it was. I had a lot of fun. I really I really enjoyed playing their music. On the heels of that, though, we had a you know we had a Dio, Dio tour planned. <laughs> Which unfortunately didn't happen. Yeah. Coming back to that uh, right away. He passed away in the interim. But I I really learned life that that bond. Yeah. Scott, I think I lost you again. Hey, 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 Scott, you back? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm back. <laughs> All right. I I tell you, last week a guy jumped out of a balloon from 127,000 feet, going 800 miles an hour. You can hear him crystal clear on the way down, talking to the control center. We can't get a phone call on, on a cell phone in this country. It's amazing. I know. I know. You got technology. You, you got to love it when it works. <laughs> Uh, it's incredible. Uh, but I got most of what you were saying. But getting back, you now keyboards have been an integral part of like you know hard rock and heavy metal. I mean, look at every Deep Purple song. You know, with uh, Don Airy with Mr. Crowley. Uh, you know, yep. even even your work. I mean, you know, on Killing the Dragon. I mean, it's just amazing. Oh, thank you. What is it yeah. that keyboard plays in the '80s always relegated to off stage? I can never understand that. Wow, now I'm getting other interference. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, and Ronnie uh, was one of those who respected, you know, what keyboards, what role they play in metal, and um, and uh, that's why I felt like it was a really good match to, uh, you know, to work, to be in his band. Um, you there? Yeah, I mean, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, I know uh, keyboard keyboards got a, a really bad rap, especially in the '90s, um, and you know that might have to do with some of the keyboard players that uh, abuse the um, the privilege in, in ways, you know, but I can't say specifically. It's just an observation. Yeah, and to me, I mean, it's just a perfect fit, especially with Ronnie's music more than anything else. But over the years, you've played with, I mean, you were worn for a little bit. You went out with Keel for a while. I even heard Berlin. I don't remember that, but I heard yeah. you did a little work with Berlin. Well, yeah, again, uh, that was sort of a fluke, too. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of, at that time, I was, you know, I, I, I do play different kinds of different styles. I'm not just only uh, one one style of musician. And 
uh, I thought it was a challenge to do something a, a little bit different like that at the time. And um, But at the same time, I was in Dio, so uh, it was kind of like uh, when uh, we weren't touring, when Dio wasn't touring, then I, I uh, managed to fit that in. And, uh, you know, that that was a, a keyboard-oriented band, um, synthesizer, uh, you know, pop, what have you. Um, and it was an, an interesting challenge. Um, she, Terry Nunn, was at the time, she was uh, just doing a rockabilly thing uh, under her own name. And uh, then looking for a keyboard player, she found me. And I, and uh, they, a lot of their um, the Berlin stuff was all on tape. They were running tapes, and I said, "Wait a minute, I could play all this stuff." And she goes, "Well, really?" And uh, and that's when she decided to reinvent Berlin. And uh, but then it, it, it down the road, it, I played with them a good four or five years, and then uh, it just became a conflict with Ronnie's touring schedule, so I had to let it go. Uh, I get believe me, I would play a garbage tail cover if I could stand behind Terry Nunn's ass for an hour and a half doing a show. Wouldn't matter to me. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, <laughs> That's no big deal, Scott. I'm I'm gonna lose you again. I can hear getting ready to get cut off, so I'm not gonna keep you. Uh, maybe we could do this another time when we're both on landlines. It'll be a little easier. But I appreciate you trying to take the time out a hundred times over today to call yeah. back.
All right, a little deal over there from the Kilmer Dragon record that was before the fall. And I figured that was a pretty good song to play since we had uh, an interview with Scott. Uh, it's a really good keyboard solo there in the middle. Very reminiscent of uh, John Lord there at that big hammer sound. Uh, I pretty, like I said earlier before we before we actually got the interview going that uh, we kept losing reception with Scott, but I appreciate the fact that he called in to kind of make up for Craig not calling in. So we did the best we could with it. Like I said, as you heard him, the band was on the road, and he was a trooper, man. He called back in about 100 times. I mean, we tried to splice it all together the best we could, but we'll get Scott back on again when, uh, you know, he's uh, locked down somewhere and we can use a landline. Uh, but I, I remember him uh, talking to him about Berlin, and, you know, uh, Terry Nunn is some piece of ass. So, like, standing behind her was amazing. I guess he didn't get the joke. He couldn't hear it when I said I played Garbage Pail behind her. I could get up on stage. All right. Well, let me see what we got going on here. We got one more song. And uh, Mr. Ken Pierce from PiercingMetal.com will be calling in with his weekly concert calendar update. Well, let me see what I can get off here. I have Brand New Doro. Maybe we'll save that for a little later. Uh, you know what? How about uh, Max Links? I haven't played these guys in the show in a long time. A little cult classic band from the 80s. Here's a song called War of the Morning.
by a little Max Links with War of the Morning. The band was out in like 82. They put that, that one and only record out, take one, in 83, and then they broke up in 84. So it was a short story for those guys. But right now, calling in Mr. Ken Pierce of piercingmetal.com. What's up, Kenny? What is going on? Have you, have you su- sufficiently battened down the hatches? Oh, yeah. There's plywood up over the studio windows. All the Halloween decorations have been brought in, which is killing me because, you know, I, I'm a big decorator. I have a lot of animated uh, dolls and stuff outside. And the Let's not talk about your animated doll collection. Well, no, that's my, that's my blow-up doll collection you're thinking of. These are different ones. I think you just want to hide the candy from the kids. <laughs> I hide the candy from the kids and I make them look for it. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> not, not to bel- – <laughs> Not to belittle the storm, I do hope everybody's okay. Um, you know, I think, I think sometimes they get a little out of hand though with it, with the all the media stuff. You know, I mean, turning off the subways. You know, it's not even here. Yeah, they're turning I it know. off. You know, but anyway, so yes, hello. It's it's nice to be back here with all of you wonderful listeners. And I guess I should start off the the announcements real quick and say how tonight's Blue Oyster Cult show has been canceled. Um, hmm. Yeah, basically the entire Broadway – Times Square is closed right now. So if you want to go get a a beautiful picture of an empty Times Square, get out there now. Just don't take the train because you won't get back in 20 (laughs) minutes, you know? That's right. Take a a car. Good night to film a movie out there, you know? Definitely. But yeah, the the Blue Oyster Cult show has been canceled. It's been rescheduled for uh, the coming week. So uh, everybody up in uh, up in arms about uh, getting getting home safety uh, and all that stuff, but uh, we have a lot going on this week. So let me let me fill you all in and tell you what's going on. All right, give me a second here. I'm looking at the calendar and trying to get in the right screen because I'm a little. Confused it happens. Here. Take okay, your time. Don't so, look, and I'll entertain. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> You made me laugh with a couple of things that you said about to, to Scott. Yeah, you know, I was. I heard the joke about Terry Nunn, and I'm like, yeah, okay. she's, she's hot. I mean, come on, she's, she's hot. She's still hot, of course. Yeah. Beautiful woman, Terry. If you're listening, we love you. No, uh, <laughs> like she would listen to this. No. <laughs> so I don't have anything on the calendar for Monday, which is good because I guess we're all on lockdown out here in the Big Apple. But Tuesday, should everything come into play again, we have the Deftones over at Terminal 5. The band Journey is over at the Barclays Center with Pat Benatar and Loverboy. While this is a little different. Uh, oh, wait, Shiny Toy Guns is over at Santo's Party House with a crap load of other bands playing with them uh, called Color Music, MNDR and Static Summer. Uh, unlike most shows at the Stat- Santos Party House that are 21 and above, this one is 16 and above. So if you want to get the kids out of the house, parents, send them to see Shiny Toy Guns. A different kind of show going on over at the Gramercy Theater is the sensational Dita Von Tees is doing her burlesque and variety show called Strip Strip Hooray. Mike, I know you've had your tickets for some months for this, so I will maybe see you there and we'll throw singles to the stage together. The band Camelot releases their Silverthorn album, and this is the first album to feature their new singer, Tommy Karavec. I think that's how you say his name. I'm not accustomed to how you say it yet. 
But remember, folks, Tuesday night, let's just make sure we check on everything before we head out of our homes because just in case this uh, hurricane really bears down on us, like they said, it will still be happening uh, some of Tuesday, they say. Halloween horror begins on Wednesday with the Misfits over at the High Line Ballroom, and they are going to have With Attack, Heart of the Matter, and Japanther as their special guest openers. Come in costume, just come as you are to see these horror rockers. Dita Von Teese is doing two shows. That does not mean you get to go twice, or should I say that you get to come twice? I was going to say, I'm glad you beat me to the punch. So if you have a ticket for the 7 p.m. show, that is the show you will be at. Or get your midnight fun on with her performance at 11 p.m. Strangely enough, I'm actually kind of interested in seeing what that's all about, you know, because it it looks interesting to me. You know, what what does a burlesque variety show entail, Mike? I wonder. Perhaps my readers need to learn about it, and I need to go. (laughs) I think we had different names for that back in the day when we were younger, but uh, I've caught her a few times on uh, that RuPaul uh, reality show, and uh, she's a character. Don't tell me you're admitting to watching Drag Race. (laughs) Drag Race, actually. I I just couldn't think of the name, and I didn't want to say the wrong name, but yeah. Watch, you know, let me tell you, I, I met RuPaul, um, I got to say maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago, on the West Side Highway. <laughs> like, like, you know, I, drink. And I, I didn't mean it that way. Please. You come from New York, so you know what I'm saying. But they were having some kind of like gay and lesbian pride festival over there off the ward, and they wanted the peers. And he was like the star performer. And uh, I was driving down with my wife and kids, and we were backed up in traffic because they were making them cross the street because I like the trails on the other side. So he, like, stopped right in front of the car. I was looking at him. You know, he was all done up in his RuPaul outfit. I was like, I tell you, that ain't too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Where to go from there? Oh, yes. Back to the (laughs) listings. (laughs) I'm taking my time because we don't have tea over there. Yeah, there's no rush today. We got a while. Uh, Thursday, if you're hungry for some music, you can head over to the Beacon Theater to see Meatloaf. I couldn't resist. (laughs) And if you want to get your Renaissance freak on, I suggest you head over to the concert hall at the New York Society of Ethical Culture for a nice performance of Blackmore's Night. He will be performing there, and uh, that's that's a really great place to see a show. I'm just kind of curious how he'll he'll do over there. I saw them do this at at Irving Plaza, and it was pretty cool. Uh, Ethical Culture Center is a seated venue, so uh, if you want to get up and, and dance, however you would dance at a Renaissance show, you can um, you can you can do it there. Um, hey, so what do you just to distract for a second? What do you think? Uh, people, some of my friends are saying, "Oh, I can't wait till Deep Purple gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because we'll finally hear Blackmore playing like hard rock again." And I'm like, I think they're smoking crack. I agree. Richie already said in an interview, he just recently did in a video interview, that he will not be participating in that. He will not be playing with the band. He thinks it's a joke, the whole award ceremony and everything involved in getting awards. So he says he wants nothing to do with it. And uh, we might be having Richie on the show here soon. So I don't want to, I didn't want to say anything because every time I mention something like that, it, something goes wrong and it doesn't happen. But uh, if we do, ha- it does take place and we do have him on, we will definitely ask him about that. But he says he wants nothing to do with it. Awards don't mean anything to him. Yeah, I don't blame him. 
Friday night also on the 2nd, we're in November, of course, by the way. Friday, the 2nd of November, you have Tragedy, who are the mighty and only area tribute to the Bee Gees. They are a heavy metal tribute to the Bee Gees, and I tell you, if you've never witnessed this band, you have to see it once. It is an absolute pisser. Saturday, over at the St. Vitus Bar, you have Black Gates, and Black Gates is the band that features Dan Nelson, formerly of Anthrax, and Paul Bostaff, formerly of Testament. 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 So be sure to Testament. <laughs> Testament. A candy-based thrash band. No? Yeah. There we go. It's the Halloween stuff. It's just the That's Halloween right. stuff. It's just distracting <laughs> me today. So, yeah, they're going to be over at St. Vitus, and that should be an interesting show. I'd love to hear what those guys are all about. Perhaps you can get them. Uh, did you ever play any Black Gates on the show yet? Did we get any of that? Oh, yeah. We had when we had Paul on, we had Paul on the show, uh, I want to say probably in the spring we had him on. Well, I guess um, I'm asking, is, has Black Gates released material that there is out there? No, no. These are demo tapes that uh, so okay. have rough, rough mixes of uh, music, but no album yet. Okay, that's that's good to know. Uh, also on Saturday is the return of Metalocalypse Death Clock, who will be subjugating the masses over at the Roseland Ballroom. Now, this attack will bring along all that remains, Machine Head and the Black Dahlia Murder. This is nothing less than a destructive evening, so make sure that you are easily identified to the people who find your body after all the carnage, and be sure to sign the pain waivers so the mighty clock is not responsible for what happens to you inside the like venue. I like that. Have you ever watched the Metalocalypse cartoon? I've watched it before. You know why? They don't play that often because, you know, they're all busy with a lot of other things. So this really isn't a show to miss if you're a fan of that type of music. Cause... But the cartoon, they show the audience signing pain waivers. <laughs> yeah. So, so if they get killed at the show, it doesn't matter. They're all right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, also on Saturday night, a little smaller show going on down at the studio at Webster Hall. You have Gallows, who will be playing with Barn Burner for Sleeping or Jumping and Death Throb. And that brings us to the end of the 11-3 listings. Now, Mike, you said there's no show on the 4th, correct? That's right. We won't be having a show this Sunday because uh, it's my uh, 20th wedding anniversary. To my hey, happy wife. 20th anniversary. Thank you. It's actually the first, but we're going away this weekend. And you know what? We haven't missed the show. We're taking a day off since last August when I was away on vacation. So every now and then you need a break. you got to recharge the batteries. You know, so no show next Sunday, but we'll be back the week after that with Marcus Brinkman from Mob Rules and someone else who just hasn't confirmed yet. But uh, we'll mention that during the week, so... So Maybe should I keep going like with some listings to tell yeah, the people what's going on? There? Okay, so people, make sure you have your pencils out and you hit that piercing metal calendar just in case uh, something changes in the time because two weeks, a lot can happen in the music scene out there. All right, so on the 4th, Sunday the 4th, we have Uriah Heap back at B.B. King Blues Club. Now, this is important to note that this was a rescheduled date from the July 24th show. So any tickets that you might have had from July 24th um, we'll be honored at this particular event, okay? okay. Deicide is over at BB King's the next day, that's the 5th, and they'll be bringing with them uh, the Eyes of the Dead and Mahavatar as their support for that particular show. Blue Oyster Cult's rescheduled date will be on the 5th also. And, of course, uh, that that's the show that's been canceled tonight, so every ticket for this particular show is... Um, 
is is valid. And this is a 7.30 p.m. starting show, according to what I've read, and it's a seated show. So if you are going to this, give yourself time to get into the venue, have them find your section, and uh, so you can rock. Because this is the 40th anniversary show, and they're saying that uh, there's going to be a lot of surprises for for the uh, audience. So whatever that means, I don't know, right? Six Feet Under is over at the studio at Webster Hall on Tuesday, the 6th of November, and they are bringing along Cattle Decapitation, Wretched, and our young friends in Shitkill as direct support. That All should right. be a fun one, yeah. Uh, this event is 19 and over. The band Hymn releases two decades of love metal on Tuesday, the 6th, and this is called Double X. Uh, it's going to come care of the end records, and it's 20 tracks in all, including one new song. I'm a big fan of the hymn stuff, so I cannot wait to see that. Uh, Falling in Reverse is over at the Best Buy Theater, and they have Enter Shikari, I See Stars, and Let Live at their as their support acts on Wednesday, November 7th. Not a metal show, but just a good show entirely is The Outlaws over at B.B. King Blues Club on the 8th of November. And... You know, they're a very influential southern rock band, so you kind of want to um, support them as much as possible. Now, here's here's something. We were talking once about how St. Vitus is getting some really great shows, right? Yeah. So Corrosion of Conformity is going to play St. Vitus Bar. Ooh. That's a big one. Yeah, that's they're a pretty big, big band. and you know, That's a big one. Yeah. So St. Vitus Bar on Friday the 11th, uh, Friday the 9th. Of November. Also, the Chris Robinson Brotherhood is going to be over at Irving Plaza. He's playing two nights with the Brotherhood, and I don't know what the what is involved with that, but I'm sure he's going to be playing a lot of his solo stuff and Counting Crows material as well. Uh, the band Dope is over at the studio at Webster Hall, and they are going to be playing with the May Fourth Massacre, Stark, and Korazik as the support acts, and this is also a 19 and above event. Something a little different for you listeners. Uh, I was asked to list the Exotica 2012 Expo, and I don't have all the final details plugged into my calendar yet because uh, I was trying to find them out. So just just hit the Piercing Metal page after after we're done, uh, maybe like in a half hour after you hear this, if, if you're listening in live, and I should have all of those listings in there. It's out in New Jersey, out in Edison at a convention center, and it's apparently a uh, kind of like – the exotic films and dancers kind of expo. So I said uh, I would list it for them. So that's going on all weekend, the 9th, the 10th, and the 11th. Over on the 10th, back at St. Vitus Club, we have Suffocation. That is another big one, man. Suffocation in a small room like that. Pray for your soul because it's going to just be a crazy, crazy night inside that little club when suffocation brings it down. Uh, as I said, the Chris Robinson Brotherhood is back at Irving Plaza on the Saturday show, and Rick Emmett of Triumph, or should I say formerly of Triumph, I don't know what the scoop is on those guys, but Rick still Emmett with is them. playing. Huh, he's still with them? Yeah. So Rick Emmett is over at BB King Blues Club on Saturday, the 10th of November, doing acoustic stuff. So you know, fans are asking me, do I think he's going to play any Triumph? And I say, Acoustic Triumph, Lord, I hope not. You know, I just <laughs> there's certain yeah. bands I don't want to hear acoustically. You know, yeah. You know, I think I think Triumph is one of my my least favorite bands to 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 want to hear uh, in acoustic sense. And since Rick has had about four albums of his own since uh, since really not being with the Triumph lineup touring and doing all that stuff, I'm sure he's not going to play a lot of it. 
True. So, True. But that is, that is all I got for you guys, man. It's been a crazy, crazy few weeks, and it, the scene never shows a sign of slowing down. And that's always great. Always great to see. Without a doubt. And, you know, now that we're almost you know, going into November this weekend, so we're pretty much through the year right now, how would you compare this year's uh, concert scene Maybe, you know, as far as uh, the bands that have been coming around the Tri-State area and the attendance levels and, you know, there's always new clubs coming out every year and, and old clubs closing up. How do you compare uh, the club scene so far this year to uh, 2011? I, I think I think it stayed pretty much the same. You know, some of the shows got, got to be a little cheaper, like – and I'm not talking like shows like Kiss or Rush or anything. Yeah. Those were Those were untouchable. Uh, as far as some of the fees and, and things go. But some of the shows at like B.B. King's or Gramercy, uh, Irving Plaza even, they they would drop in like $25 shows to to like – like let's say you saw Suffocation at Gramercy one night, and they had a show coming up in two weeks over there that was another metal show. They said, oh, you know, if you're at this show, you want to buy tickets for that band, uh, we're selling the tickets for $20 with no fees at the box office. So you saw a lot more of that going on this year, which I liked because that was letting fans buy, you know, more tickets on the cheap. Also, yeah. noticed, also noticed a lot more giveaways. Um, Live Nation has this thing called the Music Geeks, and uh, you can sign up on that mailing list, and you get you get regular mail about uh, their concerts, and uh, they do a lot of giveaways for shows. Now maybe that's not a hundred percent good for the band who's looking to get paid, but. I would rather be in a band that's playing to a full house, sure. You know, than than not. No, I, I agree with you. I, no, I because the other day, um, there was a show in Long Island. Don't ask me who was playing. I don't remember. It was all metal bands. Uh, there were some bands that were pretty well known in the tri-state area. You know, they play a lot and they, you know, they bring in a decent crowd with them for each show that they play. And I think there might have been one national act that was headlined. I just can't can't remember who it was. But they changed the times of the show at the last minute, and the first band, I believe, was going on at 5.30 or 6 o'clock, and there were five or six bands on, and it was during the week, uh-huh. or maybe it was a Friday, but Friday still is the week as people do work, and I'm so sorry, that's difficult for people that are traveling into Manhattan to work, to go home, then head out to Long Island. Most people don't get out to 5 o'clock, so two or three bands are on, and you don't even get to see them, and I don't get it when, why they're putting bands on that early at a club that's made for rock bands, you know, and that's all they had. It's not like we talked about a lot of the clubs in the city where they put the rock shows on and they get them out by 11, then they turn it to a disco. This is a club that, you know, pretty much has rock all the time. So, yeah, yeah. How do you uh, get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't get that either. It's kind of strange, and uh, you can never tell what, what actually happens in the, in the promotion side because there's always, like, other mechanics going on in the background that, that we're, never, sure. we're never privy to. Um Hey, but did you know that the Islanders are moving to Brooklyn? That's right. They're leaving Long Island, I think, in two years, and they're, they're headed to Brooklyn down at the where the Nets are playing now. I think it's the Barclays Center. Now, is Tom, you think Tommy's going to become a, an Islander fan now? Or? Nah, Tommy will always be a Ranger fan. Rangers, Giants, and the Yankees. <laughs> How can we just say that? We might, we might be, we might be best served by messing with him about it. We heard you're gonna. Change gears and suddenly support the uh, Islanders. That might yeah, be. we'll have to get it. We, we, we'll probably won't be able to talk to him after the football season ends. And thank God there's a hockey lockout, or otherwise we wouldn't talk to him until June probably. So I don't understand how he can't watch it on mute and talk. To you. I don't know. 
Does he I have think to he's yell at the TV? After watching the, the game to, to call in and dial the number. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that looks like all we got, and uh, and I know you have another guest up and a lot more music to do, and I thank uh, the listeners as always for for putting up with me when I call up. Uh, I love having them. Uh, know about what's going on and love being part of the uh, program here. So, ladies and gentlemen, remember, as always, you can find Piercing Metal on that little thing they call Facebook. Some of the kids are using it, so I say, come on down, find Piercing Metal, and give us a like. Also on Twitter, if you are a Twitterer, come on and give us a follow, and we will try to keep you entertained with that. Or our Instagram, which is Piercing Metal NYC. And that, my friend, is all I have for you this week. I will talk to you soon, and if I don't get to speak to you beforehand, you have a happy anniversary once again. Cheers. I will do it, Ken. Thank you very much, buddy. We'll talk to you the week after next. All right, Mr. Ken Pierce from PiercingMetal.com with his two-week concert calendar update this week because we're not going to be here live next Sunday night. But you know what? We've got the guys Max Ham calling up in a little while. Let's keep some more music flowing. I got some brand new Doro for you. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the first song that came off the album. It was kind of uh, rudimentary. Uh, but let's dig up something else, you know. We'll play Rock Till Death. Anything with death in it should be pretty good, right? Rock me while I'm alive. Rock till death. Rock till
by Thrust with Metallic Attack, hailing from the Windy City. Actually, New York's the Windy City today. I can, I can see the wind picking up from outside the window over here. But uh, they were a great band. I mean, I with everybody getting back together today and reuniting for shows and putting out albums, I wish that they could put the classic lineup of that group back together and uh, do something because I really dug that stuff, you know. Fist Held High, what an amazing album. <laughs> and before that, we had Brand New Doro. I like that song a lot better, Rock Till Death. So I'm going to give the whole album a good listen this week. I've been very busy the last few days. I haven't had a chance to go through all the new music that I came across, but uh, I, I did enjoy that song. All right, the guys from Axe are going to be calling in in a few minutes, I believe. It was supposed to be 7.30, but I, uh, because of Scott Warren, he was kind of short. I told him to call up a little earlier, so we'll see what happens. But how about we get you some new Axe Hammer from the brand new record, Marching On. Uh, it's been seven years since they've had an album out, and I think they've surpassed the last one with this one. It's actually top-notch. That's all I can say about it. So here's a little Midnight Train.
All right, brand new Axe Hammer, Midnight Train. This should kick fast, and I believe I have the band on right now. Let's see who we got here. Kleber, Jerry, is that you? Uh, this is Kleber. What's hey, up? Hey, Kleber, how are you, buddy? This is Mike. How are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. I think I got Jerry on the other line. Let me connect him, get him in here, too. All right. Jerry, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, this is Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have the both of you on the show today. You know, I go back with you guys from that first demo tape back in 1983, so I've been keeping tabs on you all these years, and I was just saying, the new album, man, I mean, it blows everything away, I think, that you guys have done in the past, and what you guys have done in the past has been pretty incredible. Thanks, man. Well, thanks. So it's good to have you here. So, I mean, before we even talk about the old days, Cleveland, this is the first record you've been on with the band. How how yeah. did you come about joining up with the guys? Because I know for a while, you know, Bill left. He wasn't doing well. Mike came in, and you took over after Mike left. Yeah, they found me online, actually. I had a website, um, and they got a hold on me, and I went for an audition, and I got the gig. So it's pretty cool. I checked the band before, and I know they had some history. And, you know, I'm really excited to be part of the band right now. And um, we're just really happy with the album. We've been getting really good reviews, and... It's been really great. Yeah, it is a solid album. I'm just going to throw the questions out there. Whoever wants to answer it can just jump in because I can't see who I'm talking to over the phone. But uh, sure. I'm watching a solid record, and it was like seven years from Wind Rider to this one. But you know, like a lot went on in the band. You went through two singers before you found Kleber. Your bass player had passed away. You know, there, was there more to it than that? No, it was really not much more to it than that. Just. We came back from playing Keep It True with the Windrider follow-up gig that we did over in Germany in uh, 2006, and Bill retired due to health reasons, you know. And uh, so we, we found another vocalist, worked with him for like three years. That didn't work out. Actually put him on the album with about three different bass players have been on the album and off. We went through like seven bass players. One actually passed away. So we just uh, a lot of things, money. And you know what? Next thing you know, time rolls by, and here you are—that that many years yeah. later—and just like, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, it's well, you know, you look at it. It's over thirty years since the band got started. It's almost thirty years since the first demo tape came out next year. So, it it does go by real quick in the blink of an eye, man. You know, you don't realize how how long ago it was sometimes. Yeah, it's just. Time goes by sometimes faster than you want it to. And like I said, when you have personal problems and changing people and stuff, it doesn't make it any easier. And uh, hopefully we'll have another album out in 18 months and uh, we can kind of get our shit together and uh, get going here. (laughs) That would be fantastic. We'll, we'll, We'll go back a little bit to the beginning. I mean, the demo tapes come out. It's the late 80s, early 90s. What happens to the band after the demo tapes? Because we don't hear anything from you guys for a long time. And, you know, back then there was really no way of knowing what was going on with the bands because very little magazine coverage, no no internet back then. So people had no idea, you know, what happened. Well, just, uh, you know, we, we did demos, and somehow they ended up through Iron Mike, who was our, our, our road manager and stage manager, ended up over in Germany. So you're talking about, you know, Wings of Fire and a lot of the demo tapes that came out before the Sentinel Steel <clears throat> Lord of the Realm release, they were out there floating around. In the meantime, you know, for 18 years, we were disbanded. You know, there was no band for, for almost two decades until Joe and I got back together about eight years ago. And uh, so just uh, one of those things where uh, 
time transpires and, uh, you know, there's nothing out there. Then we, Dennis Goby at Signal Steel, thank God, took interest, released Lord of the Realm with the songs that we recorded self-financed for an album that never came out, and then added the demos, the Wings of Fire, and, and uh, the second version of Axe Hammer, and um, Lord of the Realm and stuff like that. But it's just, uh, you know, it's... It's tough to keep a band together and keep going here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. It, it's definitely rough. But when The Lord of the Realms comes out, is were, were those all the songs that you guys had planned to record for that original album, besides the demo no, tracks that we added? No, Dennis Kirby handpicked out of the out of the like nine songs that were supposed to be on the album, not even titled The Lord of the Realm, the Axe Hammer album, which all that material, the studio material came out of. There was about nine songs. He handpicked four or five and uh, left off the rest, and then he heard the demo tracks that we sent him, and with the old radio, you know, the radio ads and stuff from the whiskey and all that, and he really liked that, so he kind of added that in at the end of Lord of the Realm as a trailer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, w- I, I wish you would have put on there, you know, uh, Some Girls Are Blind, though. I like the... Uh, yeah, I like Some Girls that. Are Blind is a... As a perfect example of Bill Ramp's writing, Bill Ramp's writing talents. That's a killer fucking song. But Dennis Goldby, I think, felt that that was a little too poppy for what he was shooting for and what he saw in the band. And uh, I can kind of understand the, 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 his uh, thinking now. But yeah, I love some girls are right. Great song. Yeah, it really is. And you know, Lord of the Rome comes out. It's almost like at you know at the beginning of the internet age where people can go on and find out about bands and look things up and see. When did you realize that there was like an interest again? And that time people were saying, "Hey, and what happened to this guy? I wish they were around again." When did you first you know realize people you know, were taking notice of you again? Well, I guess probably after Lord of the Realm, uh, Dennis Goldie released Lord of the Realm, <clears throat> and I didn't even have a computer then. We're going way back to the Jurassic yeah, yeah. period here. It seems like yesterday, but. I uh, started getting a lot of stuff from overseas sent directly to me uh, through Dennis and uh, interviews, and, and uh, I was just like, what the hell's going on? I mean, I didn't think anybody really knew who the hell we were, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it started kind of catching on, you know, going back a decade, you know, the release of Lord of the Realm, and uh, doing interviews just handwritten, and then sent them back to Dennis, and he'd send them back to whoever in Germany or whatever was doing them, and, and I'd be asking him on the phone, what the hell's going on? He'd go, hey, guys, kind of want to guy's got a lot of fans over there in Europe, you know? It's just like, I'm like, are you kidding me, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think Europe single-handedly brought back, you know, the classic metal scene because they they never let it go. I mean, they live it and they breathe it, especially in Germany. I mean, you know, today you have, like, Japan, South America. They still keep the metal flakes flying high. You know, here in America, it's like whatever comes along tomorrow, that's what we're going with and the day before you guys are out. They, you know, here they just don't seem to give a shit except for the diehards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The American metal scene is a lot different than what we experience in Europe. We've been over there twice, and and uh, the, the most rabid fans in Germany I've ever seen in my life. It's like going back to, like, 1984. I go over there, it's just like, oh, my God. The guys with the cutaway jackets with all the badges and stuff on and just the whole attitude, the whole thing, it's like, it's like getting in a time machine and going back 25 years. Like, Jesus, this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it is. It's really true. I mean, they don't. They don't discard like the past. They they keep it going, and and in a way, it's good because it, it keeps guys like you busy again. You know, writing music and putting out albums, and you know, marching on just comes out. You're on. A, you're dealing with pure steel right now. Uh, I think they're one of the best labels out there for classic metal because they really, you know, give these bands a chance to put their music out again. 
Uh, anything maybe with vinyl with the record? Because I know they, they like to work with a lot of vinyl, so. Yeah, from what we understand, according to our contract, and I think you can find it on the Internet, they're making 500 uh, copies of uh, the new uh, CD, uh, Marching On, in uh, vinyl. So, And then also uh, released on another record label, and I can't think of the name, uh, Lord of the Realm has just been released on vinyl, 500 I, units. Uh, so. no, no, no remorse records from Greece. I think yeah. Re- oh, okay, cool. Yeah. This is really cool. That's fantastic, Kleber. You've got a whole, you got a lot of music, you know, to choose from over the, over, you know, from over the years of Axamba. Is it difficult trying to like, you know, sing somebody else's music? You know, do you try to add a little bit of your own to it, or do you try to stay more faithful to the singers that were before you, especially like Bill, because he was on most of the stuff. Yeah, you know, Ed, that's an interesting question. I got, I think the way I do, but I try to be faithful to the song, but I, I never try to really copy him. I just try to do my thing. And when I heard the songs for, for for the first time, like the old songs, like Princess and the songs that I have to audition for, I was like, dude, I think I can do that because it's kind of my style. Um, yeah, I just I I just do my thing, but I try to be faithful to the songs, and I I don't want to mess up too much with the structure and uh, the melodies and stuff like that. So we we have been getting an awesome response from the fans um, when we play live. So I think I think they like it, yeah. Uh, excellent. I mean, I, I know you do a fantastic job on on, on the new record, marching well, on. It, it's such a polished record. It's it just sounds. It's like a real classy album. Is the only way to say it. I mean, you know, it's, it's really power metal. Like in LA, the scene is so different from that. When I got there, I couldn't find bands like Xammer. And um, what we're doing right now, it's like what we really love doing. It. It's like power metal '80s. We keep our roots, and uh, that's what it is. You know. Def- is 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 that one of the hardest parts you think, guys? Is trying to find other musicians to play with that kind of all have the same yeah. vision. I mean, Axe Hammer is an established band, so you know you have to you know hold true to what they do. But is it hard just finding people to play with that are committed and dedicated and and willing to you know go along with whatever has to be done to move the band forward? Yeah, it is. It's kind of hard to find people with the same mentality and the same vibration. You know, people that that want to do the same kind of sound that you want to do and. Uh, when I found the band, and when they found me, actually, it was like, dude, that's supposed to be because it's exactly what I was looking for, and uh, I think my style, I don't know, it was like what they were looking for, so we kind of like really connected, was very, it was pretty cool, you know. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, Jerry, it's got to be hard to find singers today because it just seems like singers don't sing anymore. Everything's with this deaf growl and this Cookie Monster style vocal stylings. I mean, I'm not a fan of it personally. You know, I want to sing it. I know how to sing. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either, but then, you know, I'm an old guy, and I came up with Sabbath and, 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 and Dio and Uriah yeah. Heep and and bands that, you know, uh, I mean, David Byron from Uriah Heep, a lot of people don't even know who I'm talking about, but <laughs> you go back and dig back there, you find some guys that are just incredible. You know, I always liked, I always liked metal that had a beginning and end, a chorus or pre-chorus, and, and the song was melodic, but very powerful, very masculine. But but you don't have to technically go out of your freaking mind and 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 uh, make it too complicated. I always like I always like songs that lasted about four minutes and they stuck in my head. So yeah, <laughs> so no, you're I right. Guess I, I guess I kind of write that way, you know. That that is the best. Those are the best songs. I mean, I, I see a lot of young bands. Too. I mean, like I go back to the '90s and I'm like, 
they cut out the guitar solos. They were dead in the water. And as a guitar player, I don't know how you felt about that at the time. I mean, bands were just abandoning solos. I mean, you know, song structures were changing. There's nothing was catchy anymore. You know, I, I'm not saying you got to write a song like Celine Dion, but I want to hear a catchy chorus. I want to hear a verse. You know, something that's semantic. And that's just like all disappeared in the 90s. Yeah, well, just, you know, it's it's old school. Like I said, you go back to the, the late 70s, early 80s, and you pretty much can find anybody that's playing power metal now, that's where their roots came from. We all steal from each other, but it's all good. You know, I mean, it's it was all laid down by Priest and Iron Maiden, but before them, there were other people they stole from. But uh, I just like the old, uh, the old, you know, verse chorus, but still be powerful, still be masculine, and have a beginning and an end. And uh, you know, it's it's not overly complicated. I, I agree with you on that. Couldn't agree with you more. Now, how do you find the scene today in general? I mean, especially like for going out and playing live. Is there enough going on? You know, where you come from, like you know, sustain you guys or keep you playing? Because I know you, it's not so easy today for any band just to pick up and travel across country. It's a, it's almost impossible, you know, money wise and stuff like that. So a lot of bands hit the festivals over in Europe when they get invited over to play there. But is there enough going on, like where you come from, to keep you busy? No, not really. Here, stuck in L.A., and Clever will be the first one to tell you. You know, we have a hard time getting bookings when that makes sense. We, in the last last year, we played with Gamma Ray. <clears throat> we played with Loudness. The year before that, we played with Michael Shanker. We kind of pick and choose the bills that we want to get on, and it's pay to play. I mean, you know, yeah. you're not going to be able to get enough fans to to come there. So you pay pay to get on the bill to get exposure, and that's okay. We're okay with that. Everybody's done that. There's no complaining there. It is what it is, you know. But uh, here in L.A., you know, we get offers from promoters all the time. So, well, we got a heavy metal night, and we look at the names of the bands, and some we know, some we don't. We're just like, well, that's that's not us, man. <laughs> Those people aren't going to get us. So we kind of play out when we can, play in front of people that understand what we're doing. <clears throat> Otherwise, we kind of stay in the studio. I mean. I know. I mean, it's prevalent here in New York, too. I mean, we, there's a lot of clubs here, and if you're not paying to get on the bill or selling tickets, it's difficult for bands, you know, to, to get out there and do anything. And like, I don't know how it is where you guys are when you do get to play. But like here in New York, I was talking about earlier, they're putting bands on midweek at 5:30 in the afternoon. Most people are at work still; they, they can't even get to the club to see the bands. And I'm like, you know, you're paying to play, and then they put you on at five o'clock in the afternoon. Who, who the hell's going to get there to see you? <laughs> yeah, some bars in Hollywood they do that. They put a lot of bands too. It's kind of like New York, I think, and. Uh, we just like choose the best shows. It's like the same bands that we like, like you know, same style like Gamma Ray or Loudness yeah. or like that. So we get fans, you know, so we get like uh, a good reception. Uh, but we have just been playing around California generally lately, and uh, I know pretty much maybe we're gonna go to Germany, to Europe next year. But uh, yeah, it's really hard to tour all over the country, and you know, it costs a lot of money. So we have to. I mean, I don't know. You know, the, the album has been sounding actually really good, so uh, it might happen in a couple months. Yeah, I hope it does. I would love to see you guys here in New York or anywhere close to the East Coast. So I get out there and see you. But we're talking about the record and just being in the studio. You work with Bill Matoya on this record. Uh, how'd you hook up with Bill? Big name in the business. Well, we hooked up with Bill originally through Dennis Goldby at Sentinel Steel Records when we did the Windrider album. That was our first introduction to Bill Matoya. And uh, so, you know, Bill was the engineer <clears throat> and did all the tracking and everything for the Windrider album. And uh, so when we decided to do this album, we kind of just went back to Bill, and he had moved on 
in, it started working independently with his own studio, and uh, we just approached him. We got a financial backer, and we said, this is how many thousands of dollars we need, and uh, this is the guy we're going to go with. So we did this album with Bill Matoyer. Oh, that's cool. When when you're in the studio with somebody like that, and he maybe uh, offers suggestions, uh, kind of tweaks things around, uh, do you kind of go with it, or do you kind of like stand to what you have? Because everybody has a different opinion of like, you know, what something should sound like. But do you guys like kind of stand to like what you wrote, or do you listen to what other people have to say and try to, you know, change the sound out to maybe make it sound different? Well, we're self-produced. We produce ourselves, but. You know, Bill Matoyer <clears throat> will make suggestions or this or that. You're definitely going to listen. I mean, that's what you're paying the guy to do is to tell you, hey, you're making a mistake here or you need to second think this here or, uh, you know, and uh, you definitely pay attention. I mean, the guy has got a great credential for a good reason, and I think yeah. he helped Clever out a lot. Clever, you can talk about that. Well, I definitely, for sure, you're recording, singing, and, you know, um, he gave me a lot, lots of advices, and it was really good. Um, I think he, he wanted me to be more aggressive than I really am, actually. I have a tendency to be more melodic, and he wants to see me uh, more aggressive. I got this from a couple songs that we were doing, like Game Killer and um, Swing the Steel. Uh, and I think, you know, he got he was trying to extract from me the best that he could, and that was really nice. He's a really cool guy to work with, you know, and... Um, I definitely, yeah, I definitely hear, uh, you know, whatever um, I'm recording with, you know, because they're they have a different kind of a different perspective, you know, from where I am right there singing and with the earphones and everything, you know. So yeah, sure, yeah, I can imagine. And you know, you, if you go back to the eighties when bands were going to the studio, they would get millions of dollars from the record labels. They could be in there for months up to a year. Today, be- you pretty much do everything on your own, right? <laughs> That would be great, dude. Seriously, that could be there for <laughs> bands like Metallica, or you no, know, no, they they take like like Guns N' Roses, and I don't know how many years they take to record yeah. an album. But, you know, I know how that feels because when you hear your first recording, your first song, by the end, when you recorded the last song, you're like, dude, I think I want to change the first one. You know, you have that feeling like I think I can do it better. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think, I mean, you know, sometimes too much time in the studio, I think it'd be even worse because maybe you start second-guessing everything you do and, you know, you don't go with that original feeling, you know, because you see a lot of bands today, they're re-recording like their classic records, you know, they go into the studio and, you know, it's something different, but I don't think you can recreate, you know, what you did. Like, if you went to the studio now and tried to re-record a song you did in 1983, I mean, if you try to do short and seal today, say it's not going to sound the same as it did back then. You had a distinct sound; it was a different vibe. Yes. You know. Yeah, I just, I could, I just tried to make the guitar solo sound better and completely fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Those things happen, man. What are you going to do? Hey, guys, I only got a few minutes left in the show. I want to get on some music off the new record, but I do appreciate you taking out the time to call in today. This is a solid album. People don't have it yet. They got to go out and get it. It's on Pure Steel Records. Uh, And they can pretty much buy it anywhere these days with the internet. You know, there's no more real record stores anymore. But where's the best place for them to go and find the album if they want to get it quickly? Uh, CD Baby. Go, Jerry. CD Baby, I guess. But I think they're actually sold out right now, but they'll get more. That's good. Yeah, it's on on Amazon.com too, or even on the label's website, Pure Steel Records. Uh, pure steel slash records dot com and 
it's still an import here in the U.S., so it's going to take a little while to be really on stores, but uh, you can definitely get it online on Amazon.com, or you can download it on iTunes, too, and I think it's a little cheaper, too. Um, yeah, if you just Google it, you're pretty much going to find some way somehow to get the album shipped, you know, the CD and the... Uh, Excellent. And I'm going to put the link up over here on the site for people to get to it quickly. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Hopefully it won't be seven years, right, Jerry? No, I don't think it's going to take seven years. It has to do with finances. We have financial backing, and we're trying to get that worked out. So basically it's just about getting the money up front to go get it done. Well, I can't wait to hear the next one. I'll be enjoying this one until then anyway. So I'm going to get on the Dragon's Fly, guys. All right, well, thanks for having us. We really appreciate your time, and we really appreciate your support. So thanks for having us. Anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Jerry Cleaver, thank you very much. You're welcome. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. All right, we started before an interview with a little new axe hammer, and I'm going to give you a little bit more, the Dragon's Fly. Thank you. 
Whiplash, spit on your grave. Tony Potaro is the only Tony left in Whiplash these days. So I, I think I saw a couple of ads where they got some stuff going on in Europe right now, some shows. Well, maybe that was last month, but I'm hoping that they get a few shows going here again. They play every now and then. I shouldn't say that like a thing back to some other clubs, but I'm in the mood for Whiplash Live. So hopefully they'll get something going here soon and uh, a new record. I'm looking forward to that. All right, let me see. Uh, I believe the outlaw Ryan Harmon. Uh, was holding on the line, has something to say. So let's get Ryan on, see what's happening here. Ryan, are you there? Uh, I'm here. I'm sitting at Sonic fixing to pull out, so it's kind of, I'm not at home to really deliver the surprise. All right, so uh, I'll hang up on you, and you call back when you're home. No, I can, I can, I can try now, because I probably won't make it back home before the show ends. So lay it on us, Ryan. Okay, here it goes. I got some, something very important to say to you, Mike. All right, go ahead. I'm listening, brother. Happy birthday to <laughs> you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mikey. Happy birthday to you and many more. Ooh, thank you very much, Ryan. That was really nice, buddy. I appreciate that. Especially when you're feeling old these days, that was uh, that was real good. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome. I was going to play it on the guitar, but it, I uh, it didn't quite work out that well. <laughs> That's okay. I'll take the I'll take the acapella version anytime. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was good, buddy. But I'm going to let you get back to Sonic because we're going to wrap things up here tonight. All right. I'm fixing to drive back home, so I might make it back to the chat room when there's 30 seconds left of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be normal, so don't worry about it. But thank you for the birthday song, buddy. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Happy birthday, man. Hope it was a good one. Thank you, Ryan. It always is. Now you're a part of it. Thank you very much, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you later, man. Take care, buddy. All right, Mr. Ryan Harmon, vocalist extraordinaire, guitar player extraordinaire, host when he does the show. (laughs) Warrior Rock Radio. Extraordinary. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. All right, we've got a couple of minutes left. I want to remind everybody, this Thursday in the middle matinee at 12 o'clock, it's Sinner and Saint. So don't forget to tune in there. And this Friday, you know, uh, even the devil's got to take a day off, so we're taking off this weekend. But we will be back for the middle matinee the week after that. And the following Sunday, uh, we have Marcus Brinkin from Mob Rules. And i got a couple of other interviews set up for November. I just haven't finalized the schedule yet, so we'll know more about that next week. But I do know we have Udo Dirkschneider on this month, probably the last week, uh, probably Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, just keep checking out the website, and uh, you'll find out more as we go along. As I was uh, going through songs before, I was checking out BWBK, the best website for all your rock news. Forget about Blabbermouth. I saw that Scott Ian was talking about re-releasing worship music next year with covers on it. Just a little word to Anthrax. Stop releasing anything. Enough is, uh, Scott Ian, I must have read about 25 news articles in the last 10 days about him. He's like that character from Saturday Night Live that's involved in everything that goes on. He's the same way. He's like herpes. You, can't, you just can't shake him and get rid of him. Enough with Anthrax already. Except for the original Neil Turbin version. That's not even the original, but it's the real classic version from the Fistful of Metal. That's the only Anthrax that I care about. 
All right, enough of me ranting and raving about nonsense. Let's get on a little bit more music and close things out today. How about some Heathen's Rage, City of Hell?
All right. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank my guest. And if you live on the eastern seaboard over here, back down the hatches. Hurricane Sandy's on its way. Take care, everybody. I'll see you Thursday at 12 p.m. for the Metal Matinee. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.